There are many ways that we have come to identify ourselves or that others choose to name us. We are grouped by our religion or lack thereof. Protestants, Buddhists, atheists, by our professions. Teachers, farmers, retirees, by our gender identification. Cisgender, transgender, gay, or by our skin color white, black, brown, red, yellow. We are wealthy, middle class, or poor. What we know is that generalizing about any of these designations as if what we think of one applies to all, we know that often leads to misunderstandings and misinformation. For some reason, people would be careful not to lump all Catholics or all Germans into one group, but they don't hesitate when they are talking about the generations. And some of that may be because there's some sentimentality involved. Gertrude Stein wrote of the lost generation, those who were born at the turn of the 20th century and who were so ravaged by the losses of World War I, they were lost she said. Tom Brokaw wrote of the greatest generation, those who struggled through the Great Depression and World War II. Notice that those names are associated with war, death, and extreme poverty, character-building events that touch the entirety of the nation. And many of us have probably told stories that have been passed down to us about what it took to survive in those days. And we've seen how those things made our grandparents and ancestors whom they grew up to be. Those are the days of staying home from school and helping with the farm chores, eating government cheese, and yes, most people were on that kind of welfare. You ate government cheese. Those were also the days of walking five miles to and from school, backwards and uphill both ways. <laughs> so during the Depression, my grandmother, my mother's mother, never let her purse out of her sight, and often she was clutching it. She took her purse everywhere. She took it when she bathed, she cooked with it by her side, and she slept with it. And even when she came to live with us in the 60s, she was still clutching and carrying her purse. I sometimes wonder if it were within reach of her deathbed. My story, my mother told me the story of going to the store one day when she was about eight. And being an eight-year-old child, of course, she's very fond of candy. So she spent one penny of the change. And when she got back home and my grandmother asked for the change, my grandmother actually knew that there was, it was a penny short. My mother got the worst spanking of her life. And, and after that, she was always conscious of the value of money from then on and also 
a gained respect for her mother's intelligence and survival skills. Those depression era values were practically burned into later generations in my family. And you may or probably have some similar stories of things that happened in your family, those things that were brought down. Well, this isn't supposed to be a history lesson, but looking at how we got to the baby boomers generation may explain something about the rancor of generations X, Y, and Z. And just a note for your memory as I'm going through this, Gen Y is also known as millennials. But I'm not going to try to keep the X's and the Y's and the Z's separate. But I want to focus on what used to be called the generation gap. Only the gap now is more like a cavernous gorge with someone on one side yelling, hey, you, boomer, why did you leave the world in such a mess? And by the way, why don't you retire so someone who's got some life left can take over your job? Oh, but keep giving your money so things like churches and charities can still function. Anybody heard any of those messages? Right. And but then the boomer yells back from across the divide. You're spoiled rotten. You have to get an award for just participating in anything you do. You need to be mollycoddled and given constant praise. Why don't you get a job and move out of your parents' house? Okay. Why can't we all just get along? I was thinking as, as I was writing this, do you think that Rodney King knew when he said that, that his words would become shorthand for addressing an existential dilemma that has plagued us for generations? I don't think so, but we use it all the time. Why can't we just get along? So let's go back to baby boomers. Baby boomers didn't get their designation because of anything of importance that they did or that they lived through. They simply arrived en masse after World War II. They were born into an era of relative peace and prosperity when their parents were able to provide comfortable homes. Realtors were buying up land by the acre outside of larger cities and that's when suburbia was born. Remember the nifty 50s? I know some of you can't remember, you weren't there. But the nifty 50s. Remember when black, brown, red, poor people and women didn't have any rights? Or didn't have many? Nor did gay people, they couldn't marry those they loved, or even be accepted into society. There's a 2006 Washington Post article called Boomers, and that probably sounds like an old, an old article. Why couldn't you find something newer to talk about? But I think it's really important to know what was being said at that time about the impending retirement for masses of baby boomers. 
it says that, uh, hey, all those old people are going to be a drag on our economy. They're going to need all this medical care. How are we going to handle that? The article goes on to say that if most greatest generation America, Americans had their way, American life would have remained frozen in the 50s. They were not the agents of change that built the far more inclusive, tolerant, free and equal America we have today. That task fell to the boomers, who almost immediately started breaking down the restrictive codes and repressive convictions of the greatest generation's era. Part of what drives the vitriol is an implied criticism that boomers are soft and overindulged. And yes, we're proud that we can say things like, uh, 50 is the new 70. We look good. We don't look like people used to look when they hit the 70s. And most of us are still able to function well. We have our, our minds. We're able to remember something sometimes. <laughs> but we're doing great. And by the way, we'll be passing that on to those of you who are um, in the later generations. But I digress. So, boomers didn't go through a great war, and there wasn't a, a deep financial depression. But millions of boomers fought bravely in a war their parents handed them. And millions more risked arrest, uncertainty, and ostracism for protesting what they believed to be the pointlessness and duplicity of war. That ends that quote. And as the younger gen generations say, how you like me now? When you start looking at what has been accomplished by baby boomers, how you like me now, and we do the mic drop, and we strut off the stage. Because we have done well as baby boomers. But we got to be fair. We have to be fair. There have been differences between the generations from the beginning of time, or at least since people have been writing things down or, or passing them along. Lots of stories of fathers and sons in disagreement have been passed down through generations. I think it was Socrates, but it might be someone else. It doesn't really matter who that ancient philosopher was. But I remember reading something about a lament of the irresponsibility of young men riding their chariots recklessly down cobblestone streets. And in the movie Footloose, dancing was associated with loose morals. And high schoolers were pitted against the city council and one a very well-known prominent minister. Of course the kids won the right to have a prom, and then Kevin Bacon's career was launched. Some of what's happening between the older and younger generations is simply natural differentiation. 
The young need to grow up and break away. We all did that. Older ones need to remain vital and in control. We all feel that. And of course there are tensions when people are growing and changing. It's interesting that some of the virtues of the boomers are quite similar to the millennials, if you just want to, want to look at characteristics. There was a story in Time Magazine that said millennials are generally regarded as being more open-minded and more supportive of gay rights and equal rights for minorities. Other positive adjectives to describe them included confident, self-expressive, liberal, upbeat, receptive to new ideas and ways of living. That self-centered life approach may be due to the rise of individualism in society. There is a very consistent and reliable trend where all indicators of individualism have been on the rise over the course of the last 100 years. Well, wait a minute. Isn't individualism one of the key values of Unitarian Universalism? Our fourth principle is the free and responsible search for truth and meaning. We are the people who should be able to be accepting of those who want to explore their individuality. In our history, we have people who retreated to Walden Pond. They wanted to be alone, to look at their individuality, to find the truth. Henry David Thoreau was searching for meaning in his life and ended up being one of the leaders of the transcendentalist movement. Huh, perhaps Thoreau would have made a great millennial. I would say millennials and others in that alphabet soup of X, Y, Z generations, that those who have devoted their lives to love and justice should get some recognition for that. Unfortunately, we see the news. We see what's happening. Some baby boomers are also the ones trying to turn back the tide of progress in today's world of fake news and lies, rolling back progressive legislation, taking this country back to where the so-called greatest generation lived in the 50s in a racist, misogynistic world. And the unfortunate thing is many of them are using religion to do it. If you don't agree with gay marriage, don't marry someone of your gender. And stop using obscure Bible passages to justify your opinions, especially when ignoring a lot of other messages in the Bible. Stop quoting the Bible to make scorching the earth all right. It may say that man has dominion over the earth, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't be stewards of the land. Stop saying the meek will inherit the earth. I just hate that. Oh, I'm going to get my justice in heaven, and I'm going to be able to live where I want to live and be with who I want to live with, but in heaven? Stop that. You are simply justifying the mistreatment and unequal treatment of those here on earth. 
You think you can be the master over women's bodies because some saint told you it was all right. We all would like to live in a world where abortions are not necessary. But we think the choice for making that decision is not up to you. And while we're at it, hopefully we're facing the death throes of paternalism. I think this may be one of the reasons things are so, so scary right now. People trying to save a way of life that they fear is going away. So a year into the Me Too movement, the conviction of Bill Cosby for sexual assault, more women than ever in history running for public office, now an investigation into the alleged sexual misconduct of Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh. All of this has been triggering emotions and memories in women who have been harassed at work, and I, I will add men and all genders of people who have been harassed. Those who have been molested and raped by those who lay claim to the bodies of women, girls, men, all genders, those of all genders who are viewed as less than. May those of us who are triggered by the news of the day find peace, find the calm within, and find friendship, acceptance, and understanding with family, friends, and colleagues. We are all in this together, no matter our generational designation and differences. No one generation has a lock on virtue, on truth or justice. We each have our problems. We each have our value. We need to come together in community and in love. Why can't we all just get along? May it be so.